This week on episode 11 of the Dying Alive podcast, the penguins are terrible. That's the whole show. Yep, so uh, as the title says, penguins are terrible. I'm uh, Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh. I'm joined uh, by a man who just took a sip of beer, Pat Dam of the Penn's blog. It's cr- and, uh, go ahead. Well, yes, please say hello, Pat. Hey, guys. It's Christmas ale season. Oh, yeah. You got the Mad Elf? Uh, no, not going that crazy yet. Great Lakes Christmas ale. Uh, which is a banger, let's be honest. Uh, also joined by Mike Darnay of uh, Pennsburg. I'm assuming that Michael has a nice cold rum and coke. If today is Tuesday, right? Yes, it is. And I do have a rum and coke. I am drinking a Dis, uh, Dasani brand uh, peach and kiwi seltzer water. Pesticide free. Pesticide free. Courtesy of this podcast. Thank me later. I also threw a PSA right out of the beginning of the year, right before we get to the bad stuff. Uh, the FDA came out and said, don't eat romaine lettuce this week. Oh, no. What am I going to do without romaine lettuce? Oh. Wait, wait so are we? Are we I, I missed this. Are we being told not to eat romaine lettuce ever? And that news was this week. Are we not supposed to eat romaine lettuce just this week? Just this week. Okay. Not ever. Okay. You'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> and let me just give a quick shout out to spinach, because if you're making a salad, like you're trying to eat healthy and you're not eating spinach, get out. Hit the road. Spinach is elite. Let's get right into the nuts and bolts of this thing. Uh, the Penguins are just really dead last in the Eastern Conference. There's no other way to put it. Uh, when we had our last podcast, they had just beaten Arizona, and it was like, oh, it was pretty cool. Like, maybe there's this, a thing coming here. No. <laughs> Not at all. In fact, when we recorded our last podcast, the Penguins were beating the New Jersey Devils, and we all know how that ended. Uh, so. Yeah, the, the the Penguins beat Arizona. It was like finding five dollars on the ground and then getting hit by an anvil. <laughs> Shouts out Wiley Code. Sidney <laughs> <laughs> um, Crosby said today that the Penguins are finding ways to lose. I didn't see that quote. Neither did I. I I don't disagree though. Yeah. So if the hey, maybe stop doing that. Fixed it. See you next week. All right, we're out. See you guys. <laughs> Hire me. Yeah. This is more higher advice it's, right now. It's not good. I mean, everybody that follows me on Twitter knows, like, I haven't been, like, putting a positive spin on it. But, like, my God. Sid hit the nail on the head then. They're finding ways to lose. It's uncanny at this point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, I mean... If you look back over the last now four in a row that they've lost, they've lost in many different ways. Uh, blowing leads, never leading, being shut out. It, but they're they're playing uh, Penguins lost bingo basically. Uh, it's been a it, it, to Sidney Crosby is right. It's a, it's been a variety of uh, of experiences thus far. Um, the, the 4-2 New Jersey loss, uh, the Tampa Bay loss, which they were up in, uh, the Ottawa loss also up in, and then it was 4-1 against Buffalo. And, and I posted the visualization from natural stat trick of, of the Penguins and the shot attempt share of that game. And people said to me, well, wait a minute, doesn't that always happen when a team has a big lead? And no, it doesn't. Not, not like that. That, that wasn't 
the penguins letting their foot off the gas. Yeah, that wasn't. That was the penguins. They walked out of the building. They weren't even playing the game. That, that wasn't score effects. They got dominated. Right. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so let me pose a question to you guys. And there's no shortage of discussion points here. So I think we'll maybe all have a different answer. Uh, what's the biggest issue for this hockey team right now? I'll give you my answer first. It's goaltending. You stole my answer. All right. So you might go to Pat. What are you going with? I'm going to go. And at this point, we should just rename the show. Jesse, Mike and Pat plus intangibles because we keep bringing them up. But it's really a to me, it's a mental it's a mental thing, because I was saying this to Jeff the other day. It seems like when this team has a lead, you saw it against Tampa. You saw it against Ottawa. You kind of saw it last night against Buffalo. They take a lead. And as soon as their opponent punches back, their body language turns to shit. It's oh, I don't even think it takes them punching back with a goal, to your point. I think just one shift, you know, uh, having to – you get somebody gets hit, they don't like it, they turn around, they, they cross-check them, they go to the box, the other team scores. And, and so I think it's even like micro events, Pat. Yeah, or, or in the case of Tampa Bay, they take multiple penalties over and over again. Right. And, and to the point I was making – it's, I know this sounds like I'm making excuses for the team, but the point I was getting at was when you're in that when you're in a rut and things aren't going well as a team, it's really easy to slip into that mentality. And that's where they're at right now. I, you just see it with them, like you guys said. As soon as something doesn't go their way, that switch flips and it's oh fuck, here we go again. At the same time, goalie's got to make a save. They have to. And there's and there's been times in the Penguins recent history where they just got I mean, look, hell, the the, the uh, second Stanley Cup, uh, they were getting shellacked most nights. And the reason they won those games was goaltending, whether that goaltending come from Matt Murray or Mark Andre Fleury or even Jeff Zatkoff for a game. Um, those those I guess the luck factor, if we want to call it that, or the sheer goaltending factor of it all always went their way. They've lost four games in a row and haven't allowed less than four goals in any of those games with a variety of goaltenders. And, and for example, Ottawa, the blame there lies equal among both of them. <laughs> I mean, is it time? Is it time to give Tristan Jari a look? I think that's worse. Yeah, he's he has not yeah. been good in the AHL this year. He's on par with DeSmith and Murray right now, numbers wise. I would say I would say trending wise, he's even on a lower slope than that. I mean, he scored a goal. We gave him a shout out for that last week. And like everybody was like, oh, that's awesome. Must be playing great. No. Like, <laughs> again, I wouldn't say he's been bad. I mean, he's got a 9 what, 908 save percentage. I'm quoting that off the top of my head. It might be wrong. Um, I know it's 9 0. It's 9 0. He's yeah, not, he's it's not somewhere in the- around. Yeah, it's in that neighborhood. And I think it's trending worse than it was from an advanced metrics perspective last year. So you wouldn't say, you wouldn't look at him and say he's been bad, but you, you wouldn't look at him and say like, I'm totally comfortable with this guy coming up and taking over the reins. And to be fair at the same time, I don't disagree with you. Eventually you need DeSmith and or Murray to steal a game for you to take, take control in the net and say, we're not losing this game. The other team is not scoring, but we've talked about it the last few weeks. Their defensive play is an insult to dumpster fires. <laughs> Right, right now, they just need to steal a period, let alone a game. 
Well, I thought that they did that in the first period last night, Mike, and then they initially they just took a deuce right at the start of the second. <laughs> yeah, it's being oh, really? that's being charitable. Sure, it is. It is. It absolutely is. Um, another one. If if there's a one B for me, it's when they, they first of all let's talk about the fact that they turn the puck over a lot. Okay, <laughs> like they, we have to get that. I think drilling that into into everybody's brain is important here. But not only do they turn the puck over a lot, they do it in the two areas of the ice where it is absolute. Uh, worst place to turn the puck over. So <laughs> at the defensive blue line and at the offensive blue line, those are the worst places on the ice to turn the puck over. Now somebody's going to tweet me and be like, oh, you don't want to turn the puck over in front of your own net. Yeah, no shit. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking within the context normal game situation, right? And, and the Penguins are just absolutely decimating themselves in those two areas by either getting too fancy on zone exits uh, or zone entry, excuse me, when they're attacking, or just being lackadaisical on zone exit. And I'll, and I'll tell you, and I, I'll be honest, guys, I don't remember who the forward is. I'll get that out of the way right now. But the first Sabres goal last night, Chris Letang makes a beautiful wall pass. He's in tight. His arms are drawn up into his body because of the angle he has to play the puck, right? But you can see Letang turn his head up ice and be like, yeah, this is going to work. You know, like he checks it out before he does it. It's not like a blind pass to no one. Uh, He chips it up the wall. And instead of either like maybe a letting the puck just naturally clear the zone and then chase it down. I don't know who the forward was, but somebody on the wing tries to basically make a fancy deflection on this thing to spring a pass for the center. (laughs) The puck stays in the zone. Now it's not cleared at all. The Sabres keep it in. Pass goes into the slot. Goal. Like, that play is entirely avoidable. It's a day one thing. And and this team, I think, not only did they want to score a lot of goals, they want to do it in the easiest and most convenient way for them. Which leads to a ton of carelessness, by the way. Yeah, it's... You hear it from Sullivan all the time. Uh, Attention to detail get into their game, all of that kind of stuff. And they're not doing that. Their puck management, as you just told us, is garbage. They turn the puck over at the blue lines. They don't make smart passes outside of maybe Chris Letang and Sidney Crosby. And all in all, like they're just playing very sloppy hockey. It's very off-brand for them. You've We've gotten to watch this team work in an almost methodical way the last two and a half years to where their game is second nature to them. They just do it. This year, they are out of sorts in all three zones. How much do you think Mike Sullivan's drinking as a result of this team? I wonder what his move is, guys. Right? Because if you really think about the progression of how this year has worked out, okay, he comes into camp super positive, Right. The, the team doesn't really start the way he wants and he goes straight to video. Right. And you remember early on in the season, he was canceling practice in lieu of video sessions. Yeah. And and historically for him, video sessions have kind always of worked re- out. remedied really? the, the issues. Sure. And if you want evidence of that prior to game five against National, mm-hmm. there's one for you right there. Yeah. We all know how that worked out. Um Maybe that's confirmation bias on our part, but I think, you know, once or twice is a coincidence. Uh, I've just seen it too many times, you know, to not. So so then we go from 
uh, video to the, the Western Canada swing goes really well. They come back, it falls apart. Then we go to sheer anger, right? <laughs> so sort of like the disappointed, angry dad, like this report card is unacceptable. Then Jim Rutherford makes the trade and here we are, right? So Matt Collin obviously is out uh, with a long-term injury. We don't have City Crosby. Mike Sullivan's done the line change up game. Are we at the, my, here's my prediction for his next move. Somebody in the press box that you wouldn't expect to go into the press box or that we think should have gone into the press box earlier. I guess we put it that way too. Okay. So if that's your predicted next move, who's the name that gets put in the press box? I mean, it was going to be Matt Cullen, but he has a quote unquote injury. Now I don't know if old age counts as LTIR. Riley Shea and probably bought himself a little bit of time with that fight. As, yeah. dumb as, as dumb as that is. And he was, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was just coming back from a game in the press box. Correct? Right, right. So Patrick Hornquist, it's not going to be him because he's he's got some goals recently. Well, and you know what you're getting out of Patrick Hornquist night in, night out. He's well, not well, a problem. You're getting what you need. Yeah, you're getting what you need. Yeah. Like, um, the, so I guess it would be, I'd maybe throw an Ole Mata out there. Yeah, I was going to say. Jack Johnson. Yeah an older player that, you know, regardless of their tenure at the team, you know, something's going to catch everybody's eye. And I will say this, look, I, I can't get down with the, with with the feeling, the need to sacrifice Mike Sullivan here. Yeah. No, Are no. Are we all on the same page? Is yeah. that, is that where yes. we're at here? Okay. If, if your yeah. take today after what's gone on is to fire Mike Sullivan, I'm going to assume you're listening to this and you have a car, uh, get in it, drive, Keep driving, continue to drive, find a body of water, drive into it, and shut up. For the record, I am not advocating suicide. Yeah, I'm not going to do that either. How about just, yeah, the last part was fine. I, uh, <laughs> this, uh, okay, 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 hang on, hang on. So, yes, that was a bit far, but I, I, I said it today, and I've said it in the past week. This, there's been this trend among the fan base, especially those of us that spend way too much of our time on Twitter. And that's, it's been growing and metastasizing since 2017 in the metastasizing. And it's people who have these overly critical takes of the team and they just so badly want it to be right so they can be like, huh, see, I told you that signing was shit. <laughs> see, I told you that player wasn't very good. Step back for five minutes and remember we're talking about a team we enjoy watching. Not saying don't criticize them, not saying don't have, you know, your issues with what they're doing right now, but for the love of God. Have your, have your takes. Like, I understand the frustration with Jim Rutherford right now. It is very warranted. But people that suddenly are like, oh, he's, I don't trust him to do anything with this team. He's garbage. I can't. It's like, okay, it's 2018. It's been just over a calendar year since he won a Stanley Cup, a second Stanley Cup. Give the guy a little bit of a wider berth. Let's think about this, right? Mike Johnston, at his worst point, we all said this system sucks, right? Like we looked at the results. They weren't good. And we looked at the system and we said, this is horrible. Well, the penguins aren't even generating anything here. You're asking your dog to meow. Essentially. We looked at Dan Bilesman. We all said the system stinks. 
the stretch pass is the go-to. There's no plan B. People figured it out. Uh, even to some extent with Michelle Terrian, I think we said that. The system is going the wrong direction. Nobody's talking about the system right now. No. Am I wrong? Has anybody seen that? No, no, I have not. And and even to flash back a few seconds to when you first mentioned Sullivan, I feel like coaches who get fired as a result of a five, six, seven game losing streak typically are coaches who have been there for several years and haven't won anything. Like Claude Julian. Claude Julian. If let's say uh Ken Hitchcock everywhere. Yeah, well, I was going to say, let's say the Columbus Blue Jackets go on an eight-game losing streak next week. And they fire John Tortorella, yeah. Correct, because he's been in the position for three, four years now, have not achieved any success. Probably the most apt example. Yeah, when when you hit a big losing streak at that point as a coach, then it's easy to see them go. But, I mean, give me a goddamn break. Yeah, and we're it, coming, I mean, we're coming up on Mike Sullivan's three-year anniversary of his tenure with the team, and two of which, two of which ended with a with Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup win. Yeah, it, right. And to build on what you were saying, Jesse, the I think part of the reason we're not talking about the system is because we have seen that Mike Sullivan's system is elastic. It's not going to be. Oh the, yeah, sure. That's a great point. It's yeah. it's never going to be the same thing night in and night out. We saw it in the two Stanley Cup runs. Hell, we saw it. In the playoffs last year between Philadelphia and Washington, he's more than willing to change what he has to change. That was the Achilles heel of all the previous coaches we brought up there is their system was their system. And that was that. And that was that. And they were never changing it. And kudos to him now for not doing what other what I think panicked coaches do. And, and I think this is the undoing uh, of every job Michelle Terrians had. Michelle Terry, a great coach, right? I, I mean, I, I really do believe that. I think he's a great coach. But I think he has the classic problem in the National Hockey League. When all goes wrong, play more defense. Yeah, he is. he's not the kind of coach you get if you have an offensively skilled team. He's the kind of coach you get when your team has some middle-of-the-road talent and an okay defense and good goaltending because he is going to take that strength you have in the net and maximize it by playing a more accountable defensive game as opposed to if he's coaching a team like the Penguins, you don't need him to run that defensive style of a system. You just need somebody who's going to say, hey, look, we have to be accountable defensively, but we have to play to our strength, which is offense, and that's not Michelle Terrian's game. Right, so, but, but so, my, and my point there, too, not to cut you off, Mike, but my point there, too, is that is that every, I think all NHL coaches are subject to that same, maybe not Joel Quenville. I think Joel Quenville, you could probably take him out of there. Uh, but a lot of other NHL coaches are like, We've lost four in a row. We're clearly having a problem playing. It's, it's a defense problem. We're going to sacrifice offense to try to mask this problem. Uh, the Penguins, from a roster perspective, despite the changes that they've endured, do not have the makeup of a team that needs to be doing that. They just need to do what they're supposed to be doing better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's really what it comes down to. And, yeah. Sorry, so, so that's so. So we're talking about coaches who actively willingly push for their team to sacrifice offense to protect defense when things aren't going well. So it's like, 
it'd be categorically stupid for a team like the Edmonton Oilers to hire a guy like Ken Hitchcock then, right? Well, well yeah, and, and and not to get off too, too far track here, but, you know, Mark Spector, a ton of respect for, um, had uh, he had a comment on Twitter today. He goes, maybe uh, Ken Hitchcock can play, can get Connor McDavid to play more defense. I don't want that if I'm an Oilers fan. I'm like, hell, let him run wild. That's not your problem. Connor, that's the thing is don't come in and try to fix Connor McDavid. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. The problem Ken, is your general managers made a bunch of horrible decisions. Yeah, I was going to say so Ken nobody Hitchcock is polishing that turd. Nobody. Ken, Sorry, Ken, Ken Hitchcock is the guy you really want to get Connor McDavid to play the game his way. Yeah, no, that's bad for the game. It's all. It's, it's <laughs> awful. And think and. And, 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 let me, and let me just say, not to cut you off again, I'm cutting everybody off, but I really, I really, really firmly believe that, that, that Jamie Oleksiak finding success here is just about getting him out of there, really. I mean, for me, it was getting him away from that environment and allowing him to do the things that got him drafted where he was drafted. Oh, I think uh, you take, like, take the reins off. Oh, my. I'm allowed to shoot the puck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing I was going to say. The third zone? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, the thing I was going to say there was when it comes to guys like Hitchcock and guys like Tarion, their system is good when you have a very young, talented team. Because like the Penguins, when Tarion came in, they were young, they were offensively talented, and Moldable. and they needed to round their game out. They didn't need to become defensive experts, but they needed to learn how to play in their own end and be defensively count- accountable. That's why when Dan Bilesma came in and let them run loose, it was a... Okay, they know how to be accountable in the D zone. Now we need to play to our strength. Those guys are fixers. They build you up to the point where you learn how to play at the NHL level as a unit. And then you need somebody to come in and say, okay, this is an offensively talented team. Go. Real quick before we carry on, shout out to Michelle Terrian for playing Brooks Orpic on the wing at one point. Yeah. Yeah. That was wild. Uh, (laughs) Sidney Crosby could be back tomorrow. Huge boost. I mean, what you're an idiot if you don't think that. Uh, massive boost for the team. Bumps, you would assume, bumps Derek Broussard down to the third line. I thought Derek Broussard looked pretty good against Buffalo. He obviously got on the, on the score sheet with a goal. But I think if you look at the way he was skating in that sequence, that's probably the most encouraging part. He looked yeah, fast. Yeah, he, he looked like himself. Yeah, he looked fast. Um, let's just go ahead real quick and pour one out for our boy Carl Haglin. And Tanner Pearson, though, I will tell you, I, I wrote a lot about him on The Athletic. I had a ton of video on it, uh, on him, not it. Um, and I, I love what he brings. And I think that he's a Carl Hagelin-esque player that just scores more goals. And maybe it's a sacrifice of a little bit of speed. But Jim Rutherford had a great quote when that trade went down, and I thought it was underrated. He said, puck pressure creates speed. I thought that was a great quote. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I'm sure he didn't want to trade Carl Hagelin. Um, he kind of was the easiest guy to move given his contract status and cap hit. Um, but I will say hats off to Jim Rutherford for being willing to move a two-time cup winner that he traded for that then went to win two cups. A lot of times you see GMs who are, who don't want to move away from guys who won for their team. And I thought that Tanner Pearson's first two games were an adjustment. He didn't look bad. Let's get that out of the way. 
I, I just think you could tell. I mean, heck, the first game he played, all he had was a morning skate. I mean, that was, I mean <laughs> he, he was talking about learning on the fly. And then I think the second game was just a disaster. That auto game was just well, a write-off. In his first game, usually the little coming back from commercial on-bench interview from Bob Aries, a say-nothing interview, it's just nothing but canned cliches. Like, oh, you know, we got to get to our game. We got to play the puck. We got to keep our feet moving. That He asked... Sullivan about Pearson and he said we didn't put any pressure on him we said just trust your instincts play the game you know how to play and that's what you have to do with a new guy like that and I think he's done well that's what you have to do with Evgeny Malkin (laughs) yeah with Gino it's pretty much get to the puck get open and find him but but the Buffalo game was where he really made his mark Uh, beautiful pass in tight yeah pass to Phil was smart because he put enough juice on it that it was going to hit something you know even if and and Phil was in a full uh, at a full break, so if that puck had gone off his skate, there's no way it's getting called back for kicking. No, because his skates were locked into the ice. And uh, but, yeah, and I was gonna say his goal was exactly what you need to do when you play on a line with Evgeny Malkin and Phil Kessel, and that's throw it to Dan. Yeah, go not even throw it to the net, get to the net. Yeah, and his second goal. Um, that's where that where his first goal, not second, second point, first goal came from directly in front of the net on a second opportunity. Here's the thing: he hasn't really, other than a few times, and he had a chance in the first period against Buffalo that was really good that didn't go in. Uh, Where do you see his one timer, guys? You haven't even seen the best part of his game yet. I wrote about his one timer uh, in my article, The Athletic, with a lot of video. He is not. This is what I love about it because he doesn't need to settle the puck down. You know, when he when that puck gets in his wheelhouse. He's in a shooting posture, and he's just going to rip it. Okay, so so uh, with a one-timer like that, do you think he should see power play unit two time? No, because I think that detracts from the focus of the Penguins' power play. Okay. I think that here – in fact, I would go as far, Mike, to say that – and this is what's funny. Over Dan, over Dan Bilesma, Mike Johnston, and Mike Sullivan, the Penguins have used the exact same power play structure. Mm-hmm. The difference is that the means to the end has changed. I think I talked about this on, on the yeah, show before. Yeah, that everything runs through Kessel on the half wall, correct? Right, right, right. And now with, with Sullivan, you really don't have that need for a guy in the slot that can pull the trigger like that. What I think is you want to optimize – and this is what sucks is because Phil, who is – by the way, shout out to Phil Kessel. who has been the most consistent forward on the Penguins this year. No question about it. Um, just 10 goals already. Give me a break. I said that, that good? <laughs> I said that last night when he scored when I was at the game with people. Like it was like his 10th of the year. And I went, he has 10 already? Yeah, it's like you don't even realize he's got 10 goals. Um, but, you know, Phil's not really notorious for the board work, right? <laughs> so, like, so as currently constructed, you know, you're going to – Tanner Pearson is going to be asked to handle a lot of that load, which I think inherently means he's not going to be in the squad a lot. Um, which you're not going to complain about that because you kind of want Phil Kessel there. If you take, like, if you were to offer me up Phil Kessel or Tanner Pearson, like I'm taking Phil Kessel ten times out of yeah, ten. Yeah. But, but eventually, at some point, Pearson will find himself in a position where he can really let loose on that thing. And wait, do you get a load of it? Because it's just it's obscene. And I love Tanner Pearson because I said on Athletic, his shooting mechanics are that he doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, just, he just shoots like, and there's no rhyme or reason to it most of the time. It's just it's like a like a pitcher in baseball who just throws hard. Yeah, you never know where where you're what you're gonna get. You know, um, yeah. So either way, um, um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, again, the, the Crosby thing. We, we talked about Todd McClellan getting fired, um, and um, and Ken Hitchcock coming in. 
Tom Wilson doesn't think he's a dirty player. Fuck Tom um, Wilson. Yeah. Uh, any other hot takes about the league before we move on? Uh, Boston's screwed. Yeah. Well. No Shara, no Bergeron. I mean, that's a yeah. That's a lot. I mean, we talk. I, I think I think I saw Bergeron was going to be in the four week range. Yeah, and we talk. We talk about how right now one of the Penguins' issues is not getting depth scoring, and it absolutely is. Boston is very much a one line team right now. Yeah. 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 The only thing they have going for them is that one line is really good. Yeah. Hey, if you get a chance, the Penguins haven't played the Rangers yet, but if you get a chance, watch the Rangers. They're like too dumb to know any better. I'd, ra- I'd, I'd rather, I will never willingly watch the Rangers. Yeah, I, I hear you on that, but like, it's been fun. I was going to, I was also going to say, this might be a, a product of me being younger than you guys, but I don't really have that visceral oh, of a hate, a hatred oh, for the Rangers. hundred percent. For my whole, for the majority of my life, it's been caps and flyers. No, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, we mentioned on the show last week, Adam Graves. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I I get why there is a hatred of the Rangers in the Penguins fan base, but that was a little before my fandom kicked in. Yeah. You know, my whole life, it's been either the Adam Oates Capitals or the Ovechkin Capitals or the Hatcher Flyers or the Giroux Flyers. Yeah. So, Mike, is it uh, is it that time? I believe it is. It's time for correspondences with Doctor Mike Darnay. I'm a doctor now. A doctor of ice, baby. You know my my initials are MP. Yeah, it's a good point. Just just gonna float that out there. Okay. Uh, What's your middle boy? name? We we could have that as a correspondence and see if anybody can figure it out. All right, if you know Mike's middle name, I think it starts with a J. Don't quote me on that. Correct. What's your middle name, Pat? It also starts with a J. So does mine. Is it? Are we all James? Oh. No, I oh, am okay. James. Oh, you're the outcast, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, Slick Boy asks, who would win in a fight, Mr. T or the Michelin Man? And uh, notes that they, would, that they would have time to prepare for the fight. What a bizarre <laughs> Individuals. Who wins in a fight, Mr. T or this imaginary tire man? <laughs> like, I, I got to go Michelin Man on this. I agree. I agree. Because if you think about the Michelin Man con- commercial – he throws projectiles. He does, and he could kind of just like hug and suffocate you. Yeah, no, so like I was he's saying, not even going to get close to him because he's hurling tires at him. And even if T does get close to him, he looks like he's pretty soft, so he's going to absorb those punches pretty well. You know what a better question would have been is is, is the Michelin Man versus all of the Pet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> They, I don't quite know how many can, ways can, there are. Can I tell a little bit of an embarrassing anecdote here? Oh, God, yes. Sure. I'm, always, I'm always up for laughing at somebody else's expense. When I was a kid, I thought Pet Boys was like a pizza place, like Pepperoni Boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's not all that outlandish. No, that's though. not that bad. <laughs> I, I mean, you see Pet Boys and I think, oh, that looks good. Yeah. Uh, let's like Tim and Eric skit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Black Falcon asks. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so he is a longtime listener, first time caller. His brother is coming back to the States at the end of the season. Um, he was in one of the 
salutes to the troops during the Penguins Capitals game. His name is Jason, right? Correct. His name is Jason. uh, And he is asking on his behalf for a perfect lineup of activities to take him to his first home game. It can be an all day thing. So we can give our opinions. And if anybody else has anything to add, he is at Dr. Black Falcon. If you have anything that is can't miss activities. Yeah. And shout out to Jason for, for sacrificing a lot and, and uh, pumped that he gets to go to a game. Yeah. Um, Dr. Black Falcon's one of my buddies from college. He's a great dude. He, is he the one that said he was never listening to the show again because of my biggie smalls F up? Yes. <laughs> God, yeah. thank God he's still listening. He's, he, he's a great dude. He was one of my best friends at IUP. I'm glad he listens and glad he's a supporter of the show. And I mean, like you said, Hats off and all our respect to Jason for sacrificing for the country. I hope to make up my wrongs to Dr. Black Falcon uh, by giving a thorough critique of the new Earl Sweatshirt album on our next podcast. So, Jesse, I feel like you, uh, you're you probably one of the better people to do this because, you know, you're the strip district king. And oh, yeah, let's let, I'm, not, I'm, not the, you, I'm not the strip. What Mr. You, Sinceri is actually the strip district king. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Tino. Um, yeah. So I think like a good thing to do is go to the Heinz History Museum. Mm-hmm. Super awesome. They always have the best exhibits. It's really great stuff. Not only is it Pittsburgh centric, but there, there's just a lot of cool stuff there. And it's a great way to kill some time, specifically the sports museum. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, there's yeah, there, there's yeah. all kind of old high school sports, Penguins, Steelers, Pirates, Pitt, everything. Think about, last time I was there, they had a Herb, uh, the Herb Brooks's jacket. Not Herb Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Badger Bob's jacket. His like vinyl penguins jacket. Yeah, and a lot of the exhibits are inter- in- interactive. You can listen to things or like measure your feet against Joe Green's feet and all that kind of stuff. Really good raps at the cafe there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a, yeah. g- a good thing to do like an hour or so before game time if you want to get in there with some of the real Pens fans. Go to Super Bowl right across the street from PPG Paints yeah. Arena. Yeah, go upstairs. Yeah, upstairs. Yeah, and uh, Pizza Milano post game. Oh yeah, uh, really? Hey, shut the fuck really? up! Shut the fuck up! Mike only. I'm not going s- Mike- to take this away from you, Mike. Mike only. Mike only saves the STFUs for takes that personally offend him. Yeah, he's he's. I can tell if, you. If, if, if you, if I you, didn't see anything bad about Pizza if, Milano. If you slander, if you slander Pizza Milano, it, it's going to be offensive to the troops. Let me tell you something, Mike. <laughs> I am indifferent to Pizza Milano. How okay. about that? Okay. Yeah. That'll My work. suggestion was going to be Mike and Tony's. That's good too. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, though, a little bit more out of the way. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we could go on for this for days. So, if you have if you have a game day ritual or something you think is great, send it to Doctor Black Falcon. So, Heinz History Center Sports Museum, Super Bowl before the game, Milano's or Mike and Tony's at the end. Yes. I feel like it's a good Yenzer experience. Yeah. Get to see a little bit of Don Tack. Uh, Matt Schaefer asked, what is one album you can listen to from beginning to end, no matter how many times you listen to it before? Saves the day through being cool. I got the Weezer Blue album. I got Yellow Cards Ocean Avenue. Beautiful. All good. Tapping into our emo days. Uh, Kaylee asks, best and worst Thanksgiving foods? Here we go again with the goddamn stuffing. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Are you going to put it as your worst? I'm going to. No, I'm not going to put it as my worst. You have to be out of your mind to do that. I'm just not putting it as my best. That's all. Okay. Okay. And let me back up. I have had several a heated stuffing debate 
thanks, but no thanks to this podcast. <laughs> and I'm getting, I feel personally attacked by the people who enjoy stuff. Yeah, like write that. about it on your blog. No, no, because it's a hockey blog. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, Rick and Morty reference. Even a blog. So listen, worst cranberry sauce. I will second that motion, Senator Marshall. I'm indifferent on cranberry sauce. If you throw corn at me right now, I swear to God, don't you dare disrespect don't corn. Don't you do it. Come on, Mike. <laughs> I honestly don't have a worst. Stuffing is the best. Everything else is good. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Pat, best stuffing. Oh, I, 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 best is turkey. I mean, yeah, I know turkey. It, it's. Thank you. All right, we did question, exclude question. turkey last week, though, to be fair. Que- question, though. White meat or dark meat? White. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Get real. I, I, I don't have a preference. Like, if you throw either in front of me, it's going down. Thursday morning, my plate will not have any dark meat on it. Thursday morning? What time do you eat? Uh, whatever time. <laughs> I feel like just combined Thanksgiving. <laughs> In my family, guys, when I wake up, my plate's already ready. It's a hell of a family. I don't come down to presents. I don't come down to presents. I come down to turkey. Uh, Drew Dunn asks, would you rather travel all day one way for Thanksgiving or host Thanksgiving? I say who gives a shit as long as I get to eat. I don't want to host it. I'd rather travel. That's really tough. Um because I best part about Thanksgiving to me is not doing anything because like my family only my family only ever hosted it at our house a handful of times. But when we did, it was a blast. And I don't know, it's probably company ex, company included. So might be a little bit tainted. And I was a kid, but I don't know. I I had a Thanksgiving to myself last year because I was still in Utica and I wasn't able to make it back to Pittsburgh for it. So like did you eat Pat, did you make a turkey. Oh, yeah, I made a turkey. I bought everything and had myself a nice little. Thanksgiving dinner and I FaceTimed my family and had a bunch of good beers. Um, so now we have another food question. This one is <laughs> dessert related. Dying Alive, a food blog. From Monica, uh, cake or pie? I don't give a shit. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care. I'll give me okay, both. So, I'll eat them both at the same time. <laughs> okay, so the follow up. What is your favorite cake slash pie? I love pumpkin pie with a heavy dose of whipped cream. Oh, I agree. yes. Um, yep. Just lather it in whipped cream. For cake? Ice cream cake. Carvel. Carvel. I've been making mad cheesecakes lately. Baker Jesse just throwing it down in the kitchen. Look at that flick of that wrist. <laughs> okay, and last question from Matt Cause. Uh, would be interested to hear thoughts on different places to sit at PPG Paints Arena or other arenas. Uh, he notes that he thinks that sitting on or near the glass is something you should do at least once. Agree. But, but doesn't see any good out of paying to sit there regularly. Agree. Um, and his preference is a mid-alphabet lower bowl seat where the Penguins shoot twice. Yeah, that's always my – I mean, I, I always think those are the best seats. I think the only thing about I'll say about PPG is if you're going to sit in the upper bowl – I always try to make it like six or seven rows up because it has that little glass front down there. Yeah. At the railing. Um, and it doesn't distort your view really all that much, but sometimes people will lean forward mm-hmm. to kind of see over it, which obstructs your view that way. So I, if I'm going upper bull, I always try to go like anywhere around like row eight. 
that's like my bread box. I think <laughs> if I'm going to sit at a game and not be all the way upstairs. Yeah, I would. Pre- I would prefer Matt's ideal choice. Sometimes my wallet doesn't prefer that though. So um, really, there's no bad seat in PPG other than what you said about the those first few rows of the upper bowl. Certainly not. Certainly not the Barclays. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I would go pretty much Drew's uh, suggestion of like mid uh, middle of the lower bowl. And I, I always say this because I've been working at a hockey school the last few months is I tell a lot of the parents I work with like about their kids. I say like, look, if you can afford it, go to a Pens game and sit as close to the glass as possible so you can see just how big and fast and strong these guys are. So you know what it looks like to be in the NHL. That way, like, you're not thinking like, oh, yeah, my kid can totally play in the NHL. And then you go and see how big and fast those guys are up close, and it's a wake-up call. Yeah. And last question is from me. What are you thankful for? Ooh. What am I thankful for? A lot, well, a lot of things, really, but... I'm, I'm thankful for the both of you. Aww. Oh, Mike! I'm thankful. I'm thankful for everybody that listens to this goofiness and sends us questions. Uh, I'm thankful uh, that I'm not dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm. And, and and for everyone involved in the podcast, <laughs> I throw that in there at the end. Mike, um, Mike, I gotta, I gotta uh, step in on your territory here for a sec. Oh snap! Um, okay, turf war. Friend of the pod, Morgan. <laughs> Tweeted at me today. Oh, and oh, 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 I forgot his question. I was going to say, he tweeted at me today to tell me he couldn't wait to hear my answer, so I need to know what hang the on, question is. Hang on, hang on, I have it here. Uh... Not to be overly critical, Mike, but I, I, you texted me earlier and mentioned you had printed out the correspondences. I do that every week. Just love to kill the forest, don't you, Mike? Yep. <laughs> Mike Darnay, enemy of the forest. Mike, can you tell us why you hate nature? I'm a, I'm a good, I, I take notes. Mike, can you tell us why you hate the forest and have a vendetta against it? <clears throat> All right, you can shut the fuck up, too. <laughs> All right, so Mor- Morgan's question. Only using the plus-minus stat, who is the greatest <laughs> hockey player of all time? <laughs> He's a plus-minus truther. Morgan, you've been demoted to acquaintance of the pod. <laughs> You're now member one. Um, I'm googling all time plus minus. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I will say this though. Okay, I will say this, and it's not a defense of plus minus because I do think it's an outdated kind of useless stat. But I will say you can go. Well, let me give you a. Who do you think is number one all time in plus minus? Just take talking, a guess. Don't Google it. Take a guess. Gretzky. Are we talking on the positive end or the negative end? The positive end. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm going to say Mike Bossy. It's not Mike Bossy. In fact, Mike Bossy is in the top 20, though. He's 15th. Um, can what, – what era are we talking? How about I give you birth date? Okay. 1951. Oh, wow. Is it Gordie Howe? No, no, that's too, that's too young for Gordie Howe. So they're 67 right now. I got nothing. Okay, I'll throw you another hint. Defense. 
Is it Bobby Orr? Second all time behind this player. All right, that's a good enough answer for me. I'll settle with that. Who do we got? Larry Robinson, Montreal Canadiens. I would never have guessed Larry Robinson. Dude, obviously one of the best defensemen of all time. It's not surprising to me. But you know who is surprising? Serge Savard is at six. Now, he was born in 46, but he's plus 462. What? Yeah. Well, Nick Lidstrom's eighth at plus 450. Who's the all-time minus? Oh, boy, Mike, you're making me. It's going to be somebody we've never heard of. Probably. It might be Jack Johnson. Probably. You know what, Mike? This, uh. Let's do this. Worst plus minus of all time. But what I was saying was, I do think you can garner a little bit out of plus minus once you get north or south of 10. Maybe not a lot, but something. I think, like, yeah, anytime there's a big sample size for anything. Um, um, Bill Mickelson, by the way, hosts the worst single season plus minus. Whoa! Are you all right there, Patty? You got rabies? Not my dog. <laughs> Whose dog was that? You get a demerit. Uh, but anyway, Bill Mickelson was minus 82 one season. Um, that's a lot. That's that's yeah. minus one every game. Um, since Mickelson, minus 61 uh, was once worse. Um, and ironically enough, oh no, okay. Dave Babick was minus 61 in 81. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Anyway. I'll go with, uh, I guess, my answer, according to this list, I'll go with Serge Savard, best NHL player of all time. <laughs> so <laughs> do we want to uh, do we want to debut our new segment that we talked about pre-show? Yeah, right. So we're going to do a new segment. Uh, I realize that this is a podcast, so you can't see anything. I'll put I'll put the <laughs> I'll put the link. I'll put the link in uh, the, in the Twitter page. Yeah, do it on the with the Twitter, maybe. Yeah. And yeah I'll, I mean, I mean, I mean, I know you. If you're listening, you can't see anything. However, once you get the concept, you don't you don't need to see them to understand. Yeah, we're just gonna do Vine of the Week. Vine That's of the really Week. That's what it comes down to. It's a Vine of the Week segment uh, where we're gonna play our favorite vines. Uh, we'll we'll put the video in the in the Twitter feed. Um, by the way, we are starting up a dying alive Twitter feed, uh, like an actual Twitter profile for the show. I meant to do it today, but I honestly was so busy that I didn't have time to make up a new email address. <laughs> Um, but we will be doing that soon and it's going to, well, I'm not going to release it because then one of you dinguses will go out there and steal the name. I shouldn't have said anything at all. (laughs) One of our horrible lists, it'll probably be Jeff. Um, oh, and real quick before we do, uh, tweet or vine of the week, uh, Pat, do you want to tell us about the three on three challenge last night? Oh yeah. We don't, I forgot about that. Uh, just short, long story short, Pat went to, uh, the pens game last night with peep of the pens blog. And the idea was that every period, Peep had to drink three beers. These are 20 ounce beers, by the way. Drink three beers and eat three hot dogs uh, every period for the duration of the game. Uh, can you give us a report back, Pat? On, did, was that a successful uh, endeavor? So, for those of you that are unaware, this was based off of the nine inning challenge in baseball that a White Sox blogger did, which was you have a hot dog and a beer every inning for nine innings. And. Peep. I don't know if that would be easier or harder. Well, the th- it's more of a marathon. It's more of a marathon, and it's also the fact that unlike hockey, there's not a predetermined amount of time per 
period. Like, now let me ask you a question. If I wanted to do this challenge, right, would I be able to eat all nine hot bo- hot dogs and drink all nine beers at once, or is it a prerequisite that I do it in different periods? We did that. It had to start when the puck dropped. So when we got into the arena, we scoped out where our seats were. We cut a deal with a few people in our section. We went to the people that had standing room one and two and said, hey, here you go. You have two seats now. We want standing room. And they took our seats and we went to the concession stand and bought three beers, three hot dogs, set them down, waited for the first period to start. As soon as that puck hit the ice, Peep went after it. He Peep started off very strong. He was done with the first period by about the 10-minute mark. He had three beers down and three hot dogs down. He absolutely crushed it. Then the second period slowed it up a little bit. He was probably done in the second by about the eight-and-a-half, seven-minute mark. And then the third period is where he fell off the cliff. He decided that he wanted to try to keep his same pace from the first and second period, which resulted in him getting to a final tally of about eight and a half beers and eight and a quarter hot dogs. It was a valiant effort. I applaud the guy for not puking. Yeah. The reason I don't go too too far more in depth with this is we documented a lot of this on video. That's going to be out, I believe, on Thursday on Penn's blog from Peep. He's going to write about it as well as post the video. So, so at the end of the day, mission not accomplished. Mission not accomplished. He came okay. very, very close. We lobbied a little bit on Twitter to see if the game going to overtime would warrant him an extension, and it was an <laughs> resounding, overwhelming no. Like people were. I think the best answer we got, the best answer we got from somebody was like, "It's not the three on four challenge, idiots." <laughs> so, yeah, he, you know. I applaud him for his bravery. Not all, not all heroes wear capes. He definitely right. didn't wear one because he's not a hero. Also, not all heroes wear capes is the name of the new Metro Boomin album. Listen to it if you haven't. Uh, with that, uh, by the way, gentlemen, you want to plug anything? I'm writing something tomorrow for The Athletic about how bad the Penguins are. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Um, I'll have, I got nothing. I'll have my usual grab bag tomorrow on Penn's blog, so... All right, so with that, thank you again. Episode 11 of the Dying Alive podcast, I'm proclaiming as a huge success. Uh, everybody loved it. Uh, we leave you Whoa. with our... Oh, oh wait. No, no, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I interrupted your flow. Okay, uh, well, all I have left is that we'll leave you with the Vine of the Week. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Have a good week, everyone. See Happy you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.